First Baptist Belton is relocating. To learn more, to give, and to stay up to date on the progress, visit www.faithfulfuture.net. Once again, it is a joy to see you, and I'll ask you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter. Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, we'll read in a few moments, beginning with verse 16. Today we continue our series entitled, What in the World is Happening Here? And here does not mean inside this building, does not mean our church, it means our culture. What in the world is happening here? We laid the foundation for the series many weeks ago when we observed that Jesus and the gospel are offensive. And they are offensive for three reasons. The scripture says, first of all, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the implication of that is vast. And that implication, at least partially, means that God has authority over this world. And he has the right to tell us what to do. And that is deeply resented by many. It is offensive to many that God would presume to tell us what to do. Secondly, the scripture tells us that man is a sinner. Now, most people are willing to acknowledge that they have done a few things wrong. For example, listen to the politicians as we are entering election season. I think we entered it several years ago. Uh, We entered election season and how many of them will say, well, I made a mistake. You'll not hear from any that I know of, I have sinned against God, I have sinned against my fellow man, but they will say they made a mistake. Well, it's more than a mistake because we are sinners, and I'm not running for office, but I acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and that is deeply offensive to many people. And so Jesus and the gospel are offensive, and thirdly, Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And in our culture today, sadly, that is deeply offensive to many, even to some who call themselves Christians, but in reality believe that there are many ways to God, if indeed there is a God. So as we have that as the foundation of our series, we have talked about the disappearance of the innocents, abortion. We have talked about modern day slavery, human trafficking. We have talked about right religion in our culture to the least of these. And I may not have these in order, but these are the things we've talked about. We've talked about racism, its destructive reality. We've talked about purity versus sexual immorality. We have talked about celebrating marriage, one man, one woman, and we have talked about the tragedy of transgenderism. Today, we're going to talk about those who reside among us. And of all the messages that I preached so far in this series today, in some sense, may be the hardest to preach. Most evangelicals would, at least in theory, agree with most of the tenets that I brought from Scripture about things like abortion 
and human trafficking and some of the other issues. Most evangelicals would nod and give some kind of mental assent to that. But when it comes to the issue of immigration and our borders, uh, there is a wide variety of beliefs even among evangelical Christians. It is controversial, likely even in this room. So I will likely not please everyone today with what I have to say, but that has never been and never will be my objective anyway. My objective is to say what I believe God wants me to say. The bottom line today, if I may leapfrog to that, is a call to action beyond the rhetoric of the day. Do To do what we as Christians know we are to do. So what I say today won't be new to anyone. But what I do hope is that it will stir us to be obedient to what God wants us to do. So as we think about those who reside among us, I want to ask you to stand as we honor God's word. And we're going to read verses 16 through the end of the chapter of Deuteronomy 10. And it says, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Are you to love those and you are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt? Fear the Lord your God and serve him, hold fast to him, and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. And we'll pause there in our reading, and you may be seated. This morning... I probably could say two points and go ahead and send you on to Sunday school. Uh, you know I won't do that, but I could do that. Uh, the first point is that we need to secure our borders from those who would harm us. Criminals, drug dealers, drugs themselves, those who are intent on harming us. We need to secure our borders and our Political leaders need to hear that. Secondly, we need to be a blessing to those who reside among us to befriend them, to encourage them, to share Christ with them, and to welcome them into a place like this. So we could offer the invitation and go home, but let's put a little meat on the bones. First of all, let's talk about the current reality. We, meaning the United States of America, have the largest immigrant population in the world. That probably is not a surprise to you. 47 million as of the current count. Or we could say all of us, if you want to go back far enough, but of those who currently reside in this nation and have come here post-birth and are therefore considered immigrants, the numbers are 47 million. That is 19% of all the immigrants in the world, 
and is 14.4% of our current population. In the latest year that we have full statistics, 1.18 million immigrants were admitted into the United States legally. 48% of them came with immediate relatives who are citizens already living in this country. 20% were sponsored in ways that the State Department has that immigrants can be sponsored. 13% were refugees or asylum seekers. And 12% came employment-based, that is, a specified job that was considered to be needed in our country, and they were admitted with their unique qualifications for that position. 11.3 million immigrants are here illegally or unauthorized in in our country. Now, we may picture that most of them snuck across the border in the middle of the night, but that would not be true. Visa overstays, at least as of last year, account for the greatest portion of immigrants who are illegal or unauthorized in our country. In fact, last year alone, 666,582 immigrants overstayed their visas and therefore are here unauthorized or illegally. Now, where do you think most of them came from? Well, you may say Mexico. That would not be accurate. Most of them come from China or India or the Philippines. Those are the three leading nations who have overstayed their visas. How many apprehensions were there at the border last year? There were 851,000 apprehensions at the board, at our borders last year, with the majority of that number coming from Central America. There has been an enormous shift in those who are being apprehended at our borders. Um, a shift from single adult males to family groups. As recently as 2013, 87% of those apprehended at our borders trying to cross illegally were male single adults. That number last year had shrunk to 35%. And family units have gone from 6% in 2013 to 56% last year. So the enormous transition has occurred from single men trying to get across the border to entire family groups seeking to get across the border without authorization. Unaccompanied children have stayed steady. In 2013, 6% of those seeking to cross the border were children traveling alone, and that number continued last year to be 6%. We have concerns As citizens of America, we're concerned about the potential of jihadists entering our country. We know that drug cartels and those associated with them and their drugs are entering this country at enormous rates. We observe that there are gangs like MS-13 that are crossing our borders with, with seeming impunity in some places. And there are those who have criminal records, felonies, that are crossing our borders, and some of them commit crimes in our country, and we hear about those and are appalled that that would happen. 
when someone who is illegal commits a crime in our country, we can always conclude one thing, that should not have happened. That did not have to happen. How did he or she enter our country illegally? Now, for the next 45 minutes, I could feed you statistics, but I don't really think that's why we came to church, to hear statistics today. But what I've said is enough to give you a background to our current situation. So secondly, I want to define immigration. Very easy, simple to define, but let's get it out there before us. Legal immigration is the entering and settling of a person in a country or region with permission of the government of the host nation. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Illegal immigration is entering and the settling of a person in a country or region without permission of the host nation. So we all knew that before we came, but I just wanted to lay it out on the table so we would understand it. Now, here are the trends in the United States in our population. Um, our population within the next 30 years will top 400 million. We are growing rapidly as a nation. However, most of the net growth in our country's population in these 30 years, unless things change, will be caused by immigration. Now, I'd lead that into the third thing, border security, evil or necessary, evil or necessary. The Bible speaks of boundaries and walled cities in many places. For instance, the scripture says that boundary stones, which was the way they would set up boundaries in those days, boundary stones are not to be moved. They are to be left where they are. And in Numbers chapter 34, very specifically is laid out the boundaries of the nation of Israel. So the Bible speaks specifically of boundaries and of borders and of walls. Now, that's not a political statement. That's just an observation, please. The U.S. Sentencing Commission published figures recently on federal convictions that took place between 2011 and 2016, and the statistics they published were these. Non-citizens were convicted of 42% of all kidnappings in America. 32% of drug convictions were against those who are not citizens, and 23% of those convicted of money laundering were not citizens. And that far exceeds their population percentage in in numbers. So there is a legitimate concern about the securing of our borders. We want to be compassionate, but we also want to be safe, and we want to protect our citizens. So the big question is, can we do both? And I believe the answer to that is yes. And we, as the people of God, have a portion of the responsibility in what happens here. We should expect our government to secure our borders consistent with Romans 13.1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by 
God. Those are sobering words, by the way, when you think about who occupies offices authorized and established by God. So in one election, you may say, praise God for putting this person in office. In the next election, you may say, how could God let such a thing happen? Well, just understand that the scripture says those who are in positions of authority are placed there by God himself. Now, you may be puzzled as to the why, but understand God does not owe you or me an explanation for the why. Romans 13.1 is also consistent with the Israelite establishment of fortified cities for protection. In fact, in Numbers 32.17, it talks about the people residing behind fortified walls. So, should we protect our nation? Well, if the answer to that is yes. It is the height of sheer lunacy to say that our borders should be completely open And that anyone can come into our country at any time for any reason. But does that mean we keep everybody out? Well, no. Especially those who are fleeing persecution. Now, you may have heard this. And I didn't know it. I mean, I'm ignorant. I'm hiding in a corner, I guess. But I did not know this until this week. That all of the 9-11 terrorists entered our country legally every one of them entered our country legally now most of them then overstayed their visas and there was no effort to deport them even though many of them sought legal documentation for various things they were doing like flying an airplane or attending college, and you would think somewhere along the line someone would say, well, wait a minute, but it didn't happen. Now, I think our system has improved significantly since 9-11 on purpose, but border security is not evil. Nations have a God-given right to security and safety and the tranquility of its citizens. Now, your portion in that is fairly limited, except by your voice that you relate to politicians, those who are in authority. That's what you do. You vote and you say, I believe this or I believe that. We're not all going to agree on that. I know. I've talked to some of you. We're not going to agree on that. But you have the privilege and the right to express yourself as American citizens. But the larger responsibility that I want to bring home to us today as we begin to draw toward a conclusion is this. The Christian and the immigrant. The Christian and the immigrant. What is our responsibility? Let me read some verses to you in addition to the passage that I already read in Deuteronomy. Leviticus chapter 19. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. Exodus chapter 22, verse 21. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Exodus 23 
And verse 9, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. Malachi chapter 3, verse 5. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, and those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice, says the Lord Almighty. And then the passage in Matthew chapter 25, the words of Jesus when he said in verse 35, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Now, that's just a few of the verses in Scripture that are applicable to our situation today. I could spend another 20 minutes reading, but I think if you're listening with an open heart, you get the message. You hear what the Scripture says. I can't affect the security issue except as a citizen who can vote and exhort my representatives to do what I think is the right thing. But as a Christian, I have a lot of opportunity and responsibility in regard to the way those who live among us are treated. And so do you. So here's my suggestion, my exhortation, my plea. Most of these will be on the screen. The first one's not because I left it out when I sent it to the person who does the screen. But the first thing is pray. Above all else, pray for those who reside among us. I have been to Mexico many times. I've been to Haiti many times. I've been to Moldova many times. I've been to India one time, and I've been to other countries. And when I look at some of the way in which people struggle to live in those countries, I've asked myself the question, what would I do if I had the opportunity to leave that and come to this country to make a better life for my family? What would I do? And if I'm the kind of person in that country that I am now, the answer to that question is I would try to get here to make a better life for my family. I fully understand, well, I say I fully understand. With limited knowledge, I understand why someone would want to come here to make a better life for their family. The question is, do they do it legally or illegally. And that's a challenge. As I thought to myself. If, if my family is. If their lives are on the line. I'm not sure that legal and illegal. Will make any difference at all. To me. So that's just a confession. Of my heart. I, I want to get my family in. And then I'll deal with whatever we face. From that point forward. Now don't take that as an advocation of. Illegality. Um, that's not what I, I'm just saying. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. And if you've never thought about it, it's about time you did. Think about it. What would you do? So some like to scream about this issue. 
I would encourage us to choose to pray instead of screaming. Now, the second thing that I want to say that we can do is to show compassion. The scripture is clear. Now, I'm not ICE and I'm not the INS, and I deeply respect those courageous men and women who have been called to serve in ICE and INS and other agencies, and I respect the difficulty of their job. But here in Belton, Texas, living on Penelope Street and being pastor of this church, I'm not called to be ICE or INS. What I'm called to do is show concern for those who live among us because they are people just like you and just like me. Sometimes I realize, sadly, that those who scream the loudest do not know one single immigrant, not a one. And there are a significant number of immigrants in our church, especially in the second service, but even some in this. So my encouragement to you, if we're going to do what we can do, where we are, right here, where we live, then let's begin by getting to know someone of another cultural background, someone from another country. And you won't have to try hard. You won't have to say, oh, pastor, I don't know where to look. Just hang around the building, make note of all of the Chinese, make note of all of the Hispanics, particularly in the second worship service, make note even of Ukrainians and Russians and Indians who are here and part of our church family. Make note of them and say in my heart, I want to get to know them. I'm fascinated by where they've come from. I want to know about their life and and their former ways of living before they came to Christ and their traditions, and I want to know. And your befriending them will mean more to them than you can ever imagine, but the greater blessing will be yours. Now, in addition to showing compassion, let's practice justice. That is that we have zero tolerance for mistreatment of those who dwell among us, that when we see it, we do whatever we can do to stop it. That's the instruction of God and the scripture do not allow injustice. Also, participate in evangelism. For many of the immigrants, even some who are are coming here week by week by week, they need Jesus. They've come to us. I don't even have to fly across the ocean to get to them. They've come to us. And so we practice evangelism and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. You know, I'm not responsible for how they got here. But what I am responsible for is what I do toward them in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And then exercise friendship. As Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel... I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous say to Jesus, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When did we see you thirsty or give you something to drink? And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
I know that there are some real veterans of the mission field in this room. Either that has been your calling and you've lived a long time in other countries or you're one of those who goes lots of places to do mission work. And, and sometimes you're, you go alone <laughs> or perhaps with your spouse, but you go alone. And it is a strange feeling to be alone in another country where people don't look like you and they don't speak your language and and there you are. And when you see a smile and, and someone who will speak to you, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. I know that I've been to Moldova alone uh, several times and I'm working with a church. So I get met, but you know, they love me and it's just great. But when I go to the little apartment that they have for the visiting professors at 12 o'clock, because we have class all morning, then they all go to work. And so I go back to my apartment and I grade papers, and I study, and I read, and I pray, and all the things that I do. And I recognize I'm not going to see, possibly not see anybody who speaks my language until 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. And so that's a long time. That's a long time to be alone. And so I, I say, I want to get out of this apartment. I can't, I can't stay here all day. So uh, the one I stayed in last is on the 15th floor, and if the elevator was working, I took it down. If it wasn't, I took the steps. And you go, and, and I, I know where the store is, and I'm going to go, and I walk down the street, busy streets. And most people don't speak, but they know who you are. Oh, they don't, they don't know your name, but they know you're an American. Isn't that amazing? You can even go to Britain, and they know you're, that you live in the colonies. Um, I don't know how they know that. Moldovans are Europeans, but they, you walk down the street and you'll hear them. American, American, American. They'll, they'll, they're not saying it to you, but they're saying it. They're American, American. I think I don't look that much different for you. They know. They know. And so you're thinking, is there anybody who's going to speak to me? And, and I'll look and I'll smile. And get to the store and finally there's this young lady who checks me out and she knows English and she says, are you from America? (laughs) Yes, I am. How could you tell? And she says, can I speak a little English to you? And she does. And I'm filled with joy and that pumps me up enough to go all the way back up the hill to my apartment and make it till the next morning. That's a silly story, I suppose. Magnify that a thousand times and realize how important it is for us to show friendship to those who dwell among us. For those who aren't going home in a couple of weeks to be back with their family. They're here. For those who come here, we plead, obey our laws and assimilate into the fabric of this great diverse nation. Share your culture with us. It is fascinating. I want to know. Use your giftedness to the glory of God. Real believers love you. And you're welcome in this place. Church, I want you to remember something that 
God said to his children of Israel, remember you were once foreigners in Egypt. So I can't say I was once a resident of another country. No. But I do know that I was once alienated from God. Lost in my sin. And God spoke to me and redeemed me and saved me and adopted me into his family. And so we must never forget what it is like to be brought into the family of God. He adopted us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm pleading the case made clear, I think, by the Great Commission and compassion in the scriptures we've read this morning. We send thousands of dollars every year to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and to the cooperative program to reach people in other countries, and we need to keep doing that, and we need to give more than we've ever given before. But remember, they're right here among us, right here in Belton, Bell County, Texas. Bless them and be blessed by God. Bow with me for prayer. Father, I, I see them every day. Every day. People who don't look like me, whose native language is not mine, and they live and they reside in our community. And so, Father, forgive me for the times that I have not wanted to get to know them or pay any attention to them. For I don't know, but that they may need Jesus. They may not know him. And so, Father, may I remember I have a responsibility to befriend, to encourage, to get to know. Maybe I'll find a brother or sister in Christ. And if not, maybe, just maybe, I can share Christ with them. And they might come to know you as Savior and Lord. Father, help us to understand our responsibilities and to act accordingly. And bless us now as we do that in Jesus' name. This morning's message has not been about the cross, the resurrection, and uh, the experience of salvation. And yet it really has been. Because when we know Jesus... We act differently than those who don't know him. Someone here needs Jesus. Is that person you? We're going to stand. We're going to sing. I plead with you to come. Put your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you. Will you come and do that right now as we stand? Are you in a weekly Bible study? If you are not connected with First Baptist Felton in one of our small groups, we'd love to have you. Sunday school classes meet every Sunday morning from 945 to 1045 a.m. And no matter what age or stage of life you're in, we have a place for you. 